Welcome to Mom Fashions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood. I'm Emily. And I'm Beth. And we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom Fashions, a Fort Worth Moms production. Episode 33, The Beauty of Birth Order. Okay, we are here with our friend and teammate, Elisa Masowicz, and uh, we're going to talk about all things birth order today. Yeah, we, yeah, we're talking about that. Um, And what sparked my curiosity about this conversation was one of the most popular articles she wrote it was like really um got a ton of page views and it's still it's still living was actually written in 2015 so that that was yeah five years ago and it was called it's okay to be an only and um it really was super well written. It is kind of one that pulls at your heartstrings a little bit. And um, it went kind of crazy wild for us. And you are an only child yourself. And at that time, way back in 2015, when you wrote the article, you thought your kiddo was going to be an only as well. Yes. Yes. Right. Our so, oldest was, he was two at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just to get, I mean, we've known you for 57 years. So just to get our listeners kind of um, uh, introduced to you and for them to feel as affectionately about you as we do, how about you just tell a little bit about your story, your family, um, and kind of, yeah, like your, your kiddo journey for everyone. Okay. Well, uh, my husband and I got married in 2004, and we worked hard to not have children for a while. We wanted to be married and have all that kind of fun first. Um, So when we did start planning for our family, you know, I just thought, hey, this is going to be easy. Let's decide the day. Let's go for it. Um, Well, five years later, we finally had our first. Um, so we had lots of infertility problems. We had to do um, several different treatments. We finally had success with IVF. Um, and in 2012, Colin was born. So um, fast forward, I guess, two more years, and we decided to finish our treatments we still had a few things left to do at the fertility clinic and none of them were successful so when Colin was probably almost three we realized okay he's probably going to be it for us and and that's okay and and it was okay because I am an only child and kind of knew how to navigate that world um, cause people seem to think that it's a strange world to be in. Um, tell us a little bit, um, about that. Like what were your, did you feel like completely okay with the thought of an only child or did you like, did you want something different than what you had experienced growing up? Well, I had always wanted to have more than one. So I did want to, that was, 
that was what I wanted um, when we first started trying to have kids. But when I realized I would probably just have one, I think I was okay with it a lot faster than maybe a normal person would be. You're um, no, you're normal. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, <laughs> more than a person with siblings would have been. There you go. Because mm-hmm. I, I kind of knew what it was like to be an only child and felt like it was fine. And so, uh, yes, I had wanted more, but I became okay with one fairly quickly. So he was an only child, but not for that long. Right. Right. So So you write this wonderful article. It's okay to be an only. It talks about all the positive things and, you know, how you can survive life as an only child, y'all. It is doable, (laughs) right? Um, But then you had kind of a big surprise. Yes. So that, that article was published in 2015. And we had a little surprise when in 2017. Um, when Colin was four years old, we unexpectedly got pregnant, and didn't use any treatments or anything. It was a total surprise. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that kind of negated that article, but it's okay. <laughs> well, for, it negates it for you, but not for, yeah, not the for spirit of ladies. it still yes. remains. So Elisa, um, so I'm the oldest of five kids. And I dreamed of being an only child, like I dreamed of it. So I'm really, really curious as to, you know, you obviously felt really good about being an only child well enough that you were able to, you know, be okay when you thought that your son was going to be an only child. And so can you just kind of unpack that a little bit? Like why, what were the pros of that to somebody who, you know, Longed, longed for that. <laughs> Even better, Beth. I want to know what did you, what first? What did you oh. think were the pros? And let's see if she says it's true or false. Yeah, I feel like I would have gotten. I think as a child, I was like, well, I would get a lot more stuff, right? right? right like right. there wouldn't be the whole stretch of the budget, and I could just have what I wanted and have what my friends had, and um, you know, just more time to myself with my parents and you know the basics of not wanting to share anything it all revolves around the issue of sharing it's all just I want more attention on me and I want more stuff for myself and I feel like that's the way to get it is to not have siblings so yeah that was really my whole basis of (laughs) okay Elisa true or false well I will say I didn't know any different Mm-hmm. So I didn't know to ask for all the things. I didn't know that, you know, that the budget maybe wasn't as tight as with other families. I just didn't know. And I think a lot of that is from my parents. You know, my parents didn't raise me with the mindset of you can have anything you want because you're an only child. You know, I knew I was spoiled sometimes, especially when I would go to my grandparents' house. Uh, not only was I the only child on my parents, but I was also the only girl granddaughter. Um, so, I, you know, I would feel spoiled at my grandparents. Um, but I, I really just think my parents did never give me that option. And 
just never emphasize the fact that, hey, you're the only one, so you can have anything you want. Because I really didn't realize I was an only child until I got to college. And my friends, you know, would talk about their great relationships with their siblings. And that's where I started to kind of wish I had had a sibling. Obviously, it was too late at that point, but um, that's kind of where I started thinking of, oh, I kind of want two kids instead of one. Um, but until then, I just didn't know any different. So I'm interested to know, um, Elisa, what, like, how has it been for you as an only child parenting siblings now? Well, I will say, I think I rely on my husband a lot. He he has a sister and they're pretty close in age. And um, so he's got some good insights on how to, you know, do the sibling thing. Um, but I also just think it comes natural. Like I don't, I don't ever think about, oh, I don't know what I'm doing because I'm an only child. I think I don't know what I'm doing, period. <laughs> I think we all have those. <laughs> yes. Amen. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes I'll ask my husband, like, okay, what did your mom do in this situation? Or shoot, I even call my mother-in-law and say, okay, what do you do in this situation? <laughs> um, but they are like four years apart. So I don't feel like we have that as much as if they were closer together. I think it's always interesting to me when I think about birth order, because there is kind of this whole philosophy of you know, personality types and... Oh, yeah. There are like books and books and all kinds of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think it's a really interesting thing, but I think that there are so many little like intricacies as far as like, you know, for you being so much younger, you're almost, um, you're almost an only child. And so the way you respond, and then you're almost also like an oldest child. It's having right. like two separate families. I'm an only and oldest and youngest. This yes. explains so much. <laughs> you know, and then for me, I'm the oldest, but my sister who's closest in age is five years younger. So even for me, I had a time of being an only child that you know, is still right. kind of in my memory right. and in my formative years. And, um, you know, I think that that leads to even feeling like it's a two, like two separate families, like mm -hmm. the younger kids, the older kid, yeah. and vice versa. And so, you know, I think those things shape us as well. So it's interesting to hear all the different the different intricacies that happen and how they shape us. So I think those um, dynamics really show themselves when you go through stressful or I don't know what the word is, just more trying times when you have to work together as a family unit when everyone gets older. And I think I'm probably, a, yes, I'm the only, well, she's an only child, but I'm the only one that I have walked through already illnesses of my parents and the deaths of both of my parents. Yes. And then having to, like, have a working relationship through all that with my grown siblings. And... Like, the dynamics came out, like, super clearly as we worked all at that. You know, like, a lot of 
what your role, is, your unspoken role is in the family, like birth order and how all those things impact it. And the weird thing about all of that is even though I am the youngest and I will often be the one that's the comedian and the diffuser, the entertainer a bit for everyone to try to keep to try to keep everybody on a calm plane, like everybody laughing and being funny. But then also when it comes to like other like decision making times, I tended to be the more aggressive one like the more decision maker because I think I do also have that oldest only child like bent that I can make the the choice and then even like and then some of my siblings who are older than me but they're in the middle were not comfortable doing that like it's just kind of you know it's it is like really interesting what about you do in your Beth in your birth order of you and your siblings are you kind of like the true blue like right and wrong, Mm -hmm. let me tell you what to do, firstborn? Yeah, I think I do have a lot of the, like, rule follower, um, fixer Mm -hmm. mentality Mm -hmm. of, like, and even now, and I have had to tell myself so much in recent years, like, you are not here to fix your family. Like, when they have an issue, I feel it so heavily because I'm like, I need to fix it. I need to fix it. I need to take care of it. And it's just this, you know, it's kind of that I think the oldest child takes on like a almost a parenting yeah. mentality with their younger siblings. And so, yeah. So, so what do you think you do? Because um, w- like my family is, you know, nothing but a social experiment. Um, so both of my children are adopted and they assume their birth order roles of how they entered our family but their biologic birth order is different than their birth order within our family um and i think this is the whole like nurture yeah i was gonna say it's like a nurture nature (laughs) thing yeah i think for sure in our circumstance nurture has trumped nature in this instances and there are plenty of instances where I see that where nature is trumping nurture but mm-hmm. my oldest would not be the oldest in her birth family but she has all the makings yeah. of the oldest and the same is true for my younger one but so for the oldest like there is this role that she has that even I do require of her sometimes to kind of watch her sister for something, you know, whatever. But I spend a good amount of time also, like probably the thing that she gets corrected most more like than anything else is I say, you are not her mother. Mm-hmm. We could be sitting at the same table and she tries to get onto her before I do. Like her sister. And I'm like, you're not her mom. Like, you know, am I fighting a losing battle? Like, it's just like, it's it's the way it is. Like, she's yeah. going to be this way. And when she's 50 and Lou is 46, 47, is she still going to be telling her? Like, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> like, I'm still telling my siblings what to do. You know, bless them. 
What about, what about you, Lisa? Do you see these types of like? And traits? I'm interested because she has boys, and yeah, we have no idea girls. how all boys right, so are. Tell us so the boy perspective. Yeah. How do you see like birth order and family roles playing out in your kiddos? Well, you telling that story about you know correcting uh, that does not happen. Colin does not, there is no mothering instinct um, for my oldest. Uh, It's more of, hey, will you watch your brother just for a second? And I come back and they have destroyed the playroom in a matter of two minutes. Um, So yes, he was watching his brother, but did he think that, oh, maybe that's not such a good idea that we do that while mom's gone? No, that didn't cross his mind. (laughs) Um, I think with us and boys, the biggest thing I see that's hard to parent is my littlest wanting to do everything the biggest one does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that goes all the way into standing up to go to the bathroom. (laughs) which we did not teach that to my oldest until we knew he could really properly do it. Well, my youngest has to do it. I mean, there is just no argument and it's a disaster. Of course, you can imagine a three-year-old standing up to go to the Uh bathroom. Um, But because he sees his brother do it, I mean, there's just no other option. He has to do it. Um, The same with sports. You know, he wants to be able to ride the same scooter or ride the bike or, you know, everything. And so that is a constant battle in our house is trying to explain that your little body is just not quite ready for that. He has big dreams. (laughs) And for big brother to be um, compassionate about it and not to rub it in his face that he can do all the big kid stuff. And so that is a big battle. Um, trying to teach Colin a little compassion and Jake a little body awareness. <laughs> right. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Fort Worth Moms, an online parenting resource to encourage and inspire moms in North Texas and all over the world. So if we're if we're talking about the whole nature versus nurture I think my question is like should we parent our kids differently based on their birth order I know that we do kind of naturally you know yeah, we all put more responsibility on our oldest child and maybe right. ease up on our youngest but should we be doing that I think is my question I don't know. You know, part of it is, I mean, yes, part of it, I think, is birth order, but it's also birth order for the mother, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, it's a great shock to my system when I realized that I actually had to be two different types of mothers to my children that like, you know, Mm -hmm. and like you learn some more as you go, but yeah, I mean, I think, yes, we can't escape that even when we try, but there's also a layer of it, too, that I have to be a little bit different kind of a mom to Lou and than I am to Anna. But you do have to keep in mind their role and their place, 
you know, and just like we kind of give grace for the younger ones sometimes, like kind of giving grace for the older ones too. We worry about our kids and in, in kind of what we've done to them, so to speak, in like having a bunch of kids or not having enough kids or spreading them out too far. So what would you say as somebody who that is your family, what would you say to that mom um, as an encouragement to her? So Elisa, to a mom who is where you were a few years ago saying to your son, it's okay that you're going to be an only child. What would you say to that mom to encourage her? Well, number one, being an only child does not have to carry a stigma with it that society kind of places on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think more than using the example of my son being an only, I would use me. So I yeah. think I think a person can speak to that to another mother if they themselves experienced it I think it's harder to maybe portray that to another mother like I I don't think I would do it now and use Colin as the example I would use myself yeah because I am no longer the expert on being a mother to an only child but I am the expert on being an only child yeah I think you have to be careful on encouraging other moms if you're not living that anymore or, you know, I used to think of it as when I was going through fertility trouble, I would think that, oh, well, their dreams have come true. So I can no longer relate to them anymore. Mm. Um, So that's, I kind of feel sensitive to it, I guess, but I think I would just speak to it on myself being an only child. Yeah. Like Emily could speak to her being the youngest by a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So and you a- are an expert on lots of siblings. Yeah. Yeah. So what as an only child, you yourself as an only child, would you say to a mom who is raising an only child? Mm-hmm. I think I would, number one would be just not to, not to teach or like the words you're an only child don't need to be in your language. Um, They're just your child. It doesn't matter that they're only. I think that was what my parents did really well is they, I never knew any different. So I never wanted for siblings or never even knew I was spoiled um, because they didn't teach that to me. And then I will say in college, when I started to realize, oh yeah, I am an only child, you know, just make some really good friends. I mean, my, my girlfriends in college became my sisters. and that, you know, that was enough for me. Why do you think they're, like, as we're talking about this, I'm just thinking through how, like, why is there even a stigma if you have one child or not, or if you have no siblings or whatever? Like, why is there a stigma that you, your mom had five kids? Like, yeah. is there some sort of ideal that we don't know about? Well, it's the 2.5 kids right. in oh, a yes. picket fence. All right. That's, 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. What What's the point five? Is that your yeah, pet? Your I don't dog, know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, why is there, like, it's, it is ridiculous that there is this cultural, unspoken kind of understanding that, you know, an only child, that's not really the best choice for your family. I mean, I've even heard people say, you know, I don't want to have a, only one child because I think that would be a detriment to the child. I wouldn't be a good parent if we didn't have a sibling, you know? Yeah. And, and then similarly, you have too many siblings. It's a detriment to your kids. If you have yeah. too many kids, yeah. like it's just mm-hmm. hogwash. All oh of yeah. It. Yeah. It shouldn't be about the kids. It should be about the parents. So my parents were quite content with one might have been overwhelmed with two. I am quite content with two. I would be a disaster with three. You know, it's just, I think people want to put it onto the child or children, but really it's more about the parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are so many circumstances that, you know, there are heaps of women who wish to have more children than they do. It's, it's a lot of times out of your choice. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it is weird, the stigmas surrounding it. I remember uh, when I was young, you know, we would all go into Walmart and people would count us. I could watch them counting. And I just, I was so ashamed by that. But it's funny that you talk about when you went to college, because it is kind of that age that I feel like we all start to reflect back on our family life and start to appreciate it in a way that we never did. Um, but yeah, that was that was the point where I started to think, man, I'm glad that I have a big family. And I like that I have all of these siblings and I like who they're becoming as they're becoming adults and, you know, that we can now build friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I think, I think what I would say to a mom who has a lot of kids is one, bless you, go have a drink, take a nap. Um, But I would say as the oldest um, that like press on as they're fighting and bickering and you're dealing with, you know, the what can feel like a lot between the dynamic of, you know, all of these different personalities, like look at your end goal and your end goal is that someday they will be functional adults who can have relationships and friendships between them. Um, and, and that day will come, you know, that day will come. And I know that for my mom, she probably thought that day would never come, especially between me and my siblings. Well, I worry. I'm like, are my girls going to like each other (laughs) when they are 50 and 47? You know, I'm like, how do I do this so we come out on the other side of this? Like for actually the bulk of their actual life, being friends and not like competitive, you know, enemies. As somebody who reflects back on their childhood with their siblings, the stories that you tell are not like, remember how we used to just so lovingly play dolls together in our room or how, you know. Remember that one day it happened? Yes. (laughs) It's always like, oh, remember how we used to fight over this? Or remember how that one time you got mad and you threw your car across the room? Or, you know, like it's always those kind of 
things that right now we're like, oh my gosh, I've ruined my children. But those are the stories that they're going to tell around the dinner table in 20 years and laugh about. And so that's that's the only like hope that I have right now. I'm like, someday they will tell these stories about my failures and about how they hated each other, and they'll laugh. That's <laughs> this the is hope. What we're hoping you know? it's not in a counseling <laughs> yes. session being like, my <laughs> Yes. Okay, there's one aspect of this whole topic I want to discuss before we go, and that is shifting us from being mothers, women and mothers of small children, and shifting to point the other direction. I kind of touched on it briefly as still being daughters, but with aging parents, and in my case, already deceased parents. So how does that look for you as the oldest, me the youngest, Elisa, you being the only, like, what's your kind of mindset or philosophy about, like, I, of course, have already sort of, like, walked down this road, and we're in the seasons now of, like, your parents have passed, and there becomes a real separation of family units at that point, right? So my brother, who already has grandchildren, he is, you know, like they become then that focal figure and they have all their family up under them. Um, My brother has a 20-year-old daughter and then my sister has a senior in college and a grown child, you know, like, so like they kind of start becoming like those pillars, like for their family. And our need, I guess, or even being forced to have somewhat of like a family function dynamic as a unit is dissolving. Mm -hmm. So how I'm a little bit ahead of y'all on that. Like, how is it for you now in your current role with your parents? And then, you know, like, how do you see that kind of, what are your hopes? What are your fears for how that will progress as the years go by? Um. Well, I will say, you know, going into college, I kind of became sad that I was an only child. Um, But I will tell you what, as an adult with children, I don't have to fight for my parents' help. Yeah. Amen. Definite bonus. Amazing. (laughs) Definite bonus. So, yeah, my kids are their only grandkids. And thankfully, we live close and they help out. But I will say, I definitely see the big, huge family gatherings that we used to have when I was little definitely don't happen anymore, you know, that everybody's kind of broken off. And so when it's my family unit, it is just my parents and me and my family, and that's it. Um, So sometimes, you know, holidays can be really quiet, which I know a lot of people can't say. Um, Now, on the flip side, we have my husband's family who's in Ohio, and that's always a crazy time. You know, he (laughs) he has a sister, his sister has three kids, there's aunts and uncles. and, um, and, And to me, I find that very exciting, because I never had that. Mike, my husband, obviously, you know, he can get tired of it real fast because that's just what he's used to. Um, But I do see in the coming years, you know, as my parents age, 
and start to need help, that's all going to fall on me. I mean, mm -hmm. there is nobody else. Uh, whereas on my husband's side, he has a sister. So the kind of the caretaking will kind of fall to her. Um, so I think it's something we kind of keep in the back of our minds of just realizing that that sole responsibility of my parents is, is going to be me and my husband. Yeah. And there's no other, no other option. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of, this is like, we're taking a really sad turn as I'm dragging y'all <laughs> down this road. Um, I would say at the end of the day, it like, it is a hard, it's a hard thing to walk through as your parents age and need more help and whether they have like an extended illness or, you know, whatever is coming down the pike that it, there are hard things about being the only, you know, where all that falls on you, you know, you'll be the only one that prepares the funeral. You'll be the only one that has to have all these decisions. But then on the flip side, there are good things about that. Your wishes will be honored. You know, I mean, there is a good thing about having siblings because you can break up the responsibilities. You don't have to bear the whole burden. But some of the hard things about that is every child feels really strongly about their parent and will have a different idea on how that should be lived out, what choices should be made, and those kinds of things. So what what about you, Beth? And you with, there'll be five kiddos. Yes, all with very different personalities. Um, you know, for one thing, my parents were just barely 20 when they had me. So in my mind, they are still very, very young and really are very, very young. And so it's something that we have not had to really consider at this point because it seems like we're all still in a very young stage of like just starting our families, you know, um, just kind of getting into, you know, we've been in adulthood for a while, but just kind of getting into that place of having our own families, our kids, our careers, things like that. So I really, I don't know what that will look like. I'm sure that knowing my personality and my desire to be in control and fix things that I will, um, you know, I will try to take over things. But my mom always um, jokes, depending on uh, who is acting out the most at the time, and she'll say, well, you're not taking care of me when I'm old. Um, you know, so there are definitely some of us that maybe um, – would be better at it than others, but it'll just depend on when it when it comes and what our lives look like at that point, and and honestly, maybe who my mom can put up with the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so. all the like all the family roles and birth order characteristics, you know, stay with us for the long haul. I know when um, before we even have had kids, and it might have been like the first holiday we went as a married couple to my in-laws house and all of his siblings were there like he kind of turned into a different person like suddenly he was little brother Brian 
And, like, it was just sort of like they were all in the house together and everybody just eased right back into, like, their family dynamic roles. And it was almost like he was pestering people. And all this. I'm just like, you're a 30-year-old man. What is happening right now? Who have you become? I remember when I was dating my husband that bringing him home not just to meet my parents, but to meet my entire family was intimidating because I knew that when I was with everybody, I was a different person. Like yeah. it's it's a very different dynamic. And when you get five loud, boisterous people who know each other way too well together, um, it can be overwhelming for someone who hasn't lived in that environment. I will say the benefit of being an only is you get what you get. I'm no different talking on a podcast than I am with my parents. Yeah, that's, that's good. true. <laughs> that is what I would say about you, Elisa. Is that that you is are a true just, statement. Yes, You are you no matter what. That's what we love about you. That's I do not change. One, one of the many <laughs> wonderful things. Yes, That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to just sit down and visit with us yeah. this morning and um, hang out in your son's room and... <laughs> No. We are not in her son's room. Oh, we no, are no. In a we're in different not. location. We're not. She's she, in her son's room. You can't see her, but yes, we're kind of all spread out <laughs> because, you know, hashtag pandemic. Uh, yes. So, all okay. right. Well, thanks for listening. All right. See you later. As always, visit fwmoms.com to see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com. Fort Worth Moms.